It's Friday, January 17th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. All eyes are on the Senate in the run-up to next week's impeachment trial. But new rules could make it difficult or even impossible to keep up with what's going on. We'll tell you why. Then we'll dive into your inbox to help explain all those privacy policy emails you've probably been receiving. And finally, why China's falling birth rate could have global repercussions. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Previously on Capitol Hill. All persons are commanded to keep silent on pain of imprisonment. While the House of Representatives is exhibiting to the Senate of the United States articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States. The pain of imprisonment. It's unlikely they'd actually go to jail. But it means, while House Democrats make their argument for why President Trump should be convicted in this impeachment trial, senators have to shut up. They're supposed to be silent members of the jury inside the Senate chamber. But new rules might make it harder for them to speak outside the chamber, too. The Capitol Police and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, kind of like the study hall monitor, are preventing reporters from interviewing lawmakers in the hallways of the Capitol, even when lawmakers want to talk to them. We've spent a lot of time talking about how this impeachment trial is going to work. But now it turns out we might not have much of a chance to actually see it play out because these restrictions could limit overall press access and in turn how much the American people outside of D.C. will get to see. First, there are already some pretty strict rules in the Senate on a normal day. Like journalists can't take any photos, but there is an artist who'll be drawing courtroom sketches. Journalists also can't bring any electronics inside the chamber, so there is no way to report in real time what's happening. But it's about to get even stricter. Capitol Police are also saying journalists are only allowed to sit in a small roped off section of the chamber's second floor while the trial is going on. They can't move around and approach lawmakers freely like they usually do. And journalists will have to go through extra security to get into the room at all. So we might be hearing a whole lot of this as reporters run in and out of security scans to tell us what's going on. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle feel iffy about how the press is being treated. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who's also running for president, told CBS after Tuesday's Democratic primary debate that she actually tried to expand press access during the trial. There's always got to be rules about where people can go and where they can't. But I don't know why at this very important moment where you would want to allow uh, the people to see it, they're deciding to pull back access. It's not just Democrats who are upset. Republican Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana called the restrictions on press access a, quote, huge mistake, saying they send the wrong message. The Capitol Police have already started enforcing these rules. And on Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will introduce rules for the trial that may leave viewers even more in the dark. That's because the Senate rules would allow closed sessions during some parts of the trial for private debate. That means reporters leave the room and the C-SPAN camera turns off. These kinds of blackouts also happened during President Clinton's impeachment trial in 1999. Some people argue that these sessions behind closed doors might actually help the debate, since senators can speak more freely without worrying about how they'll be covered in the press. Others worry that shutting out the press could make viewers at home question the legitimacy of the trial. So if they close the doors, all we can do is hope the lawmakers will come out afterward and tell us what we missed. So what's the skim? Most of the impeachment process so far in the House of Representatives 
has included wall-to-wall coverage from the room where it happens. But as we get ready for the third impeachment trial in U.S. history, there are a lot of concerns about how transparent the Senate is going to be. Senators have been sworn in, and the trial officially resumes on Tuesday. After that, both sides will get to start presenting their case on whether Trump should be convicted and removed from office, whether the new rules fuel criticisms of shady goings-on behind closed doors or lead to a more fair, effective trial is TBD. We'll be watching on Tuesday to find out. You've got mail. Over the past few weeks, you might have been getting a lot of emails. Emails with subject lines like privacy update or check out our new terms and conditions. They might have come from music streaming services, the site you buy concert tickets from, or where you found someone to print an image of your dog onto a pair of socks. Open up those emails and chances are they all contain the same four letters, CCPA. That stands for the California Consumer Privacy Act. It's a law California passed in 2018, but that finally went into effect on January 1st. And it's a big deal. It's the first ever modern consumer privacy law in the U.S. It's a new sheriff in town to help rein in the data collection industry, which until now has kind of been a wild west. If you've seen headlines about genetic testing companies selling your data to drug companies without your knowledge, or your location data being sold to help companies target you with ads, that's what we're talking about. Well, this new law gives California residents the right to check out all the info companies have on them. And they can even ask for that info to be deleted or tell companies to stop selling their data with just a few clicks online. Pretty cool, right? One company known for collecting a lot of data about its users is Facebook. It might take some digging to find, but Facebook now has a page for California residents to make these privacy requests. Asking for that mountain of data to be deleted could seriously limit what the company knows about you, which could be exactly what you want. For privacy activists, the California law is a big step toward changing the rules of the digital economy. You might know the saying, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. The CCPA could start to change the script by giving consumers whose personal info companies use to make money a chance to opt out, open up the windows and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We likely won't find out just how effective the CCPA is until at least the summer. That's when California can start cracking down on companies violating the law. Until then, California residents might not be the only winners. The law has created a new gold rush for companies that help other businesses with compliance. By one estimate, companies could spend a total of $55 billion to make sure they're playing by the new rules. And even though CCPA only applies to California residents, changes could soon be coming to other states. A handful are now considering similar laws, including some that give consumers even more rights over their data than CCPA, meaning 2020 could be shaping up to be a good year for consumer privacy, no matter where you live. That is one sound that China is hearing less of. New Chinese government figures show that last year, the country's birth rate fell to its lowest level in almost 60 years. They say families are complicated. In China, it's family planning that's especially complicated. For decades, the ruling Communist Party enforced a one-child policy. It was literally against the law for most families to have more than one child. The idea was that keeping the country's population in check 
would lead to economic growth and better living standards. China is now the second largest economy in the world. Mission accomplished. But as its population got older, the government needed a plan to keep that economic momentum going. China is reversing its decades-old policy of allowing only one child per couple. It had been rumored that they were considering ending the one-child policy, uh, and today they revealed that they have done exactly that. China will fully implement the policy of one couple, two children, in a proactive response to the issue of an aging population. Since 2016, the government has let families have two kids. Except people aren't doing it. The cost of living means that raising even one kid is extremely expensive. Plus, women now make up a larger part of the workforce and are putting off marriage and children. So China has a problem on its hands. Its aging population could drive up the cost of health care, and its smaller working age population means fewer people are contributing to the economy and to China's taxpayer-funded pension fund. It also puts pressure on the Chinese cultural norm of younger family members taking care of their elders. Basically, in China, there soon may not be enough people to share the burden, which means in the future, China could find its status as an economic powerhouse on the line. Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. There are events happening all across the country this weekend. One place that's going all out in terms of commemorating his legacy is the state of Michigan. Michigan has long-standing ties to the civil rights leader. Michigan's former congressman, John Conyers, was the first to introduce a bill on the House floor calling for a federal holiday in King's honor, four days after his assassination. Detroit, Michigan was also the site of a civil rights march that happened the same summer as the 1963 March on Washington, the one where King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. Just two months prior, 125,000 people marched in the Walk to Freedom in Detroit. King was there too. And during that march is when he gave a big preview of his I Have a Dream speech. At the time, it was reportedly the largest civil rights demonstration to happen in the U.S. And a gathering that King described as one of the most wonderful things that has happened in America. One of the things King advocated for, particularly in the weeks leading up to his death, was economic justice. We have a guide out now on the history of wealth and income inequality in the U.S. and where things stand today. You can find it at theskim.com slash guides or in the Skim app. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We're taking off for the holiday weekend, but we'll be back on Tuesday. And so will our free newsletter, The Daily Skim. You can sign up right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.